Hello and welcome to another edition of the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to over there, whether it be on land, in the sea, or in the air. I am the traffic anchor and transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am Denver 7's own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Poor parallel parking, one of the hallmarks of my driving, just being god-awful at parallel parking. There is a technique to it where there are actually angles that you're supposed to think about. Mm. When you pull up next to the side of the car, you start your reverse, okay? And then when you're, uh, the, the, your wheels... Your back wheels are at uh, the same angle or same uh, area as the bumper of the other car that you're trying to pull behind. That's when you start cutting it. Okay? And then you stop cutting it, and then you're starting to pull in. When your wheels get again, your front wheels, to their bumper, then you start cutting it back in. And then you're in the spot, and then you just straighten it up. Got it's it. basically just imagine there is a pivot point. And your car is on that pivot point, and you're just turning it around like that and like that. You can't see it because this is radio. No, not at all. We will post a diagram later. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, anyway, <laughs> where were you last week? Uh, vacation uh, uh, here in beautiful Denver, taking public transportation at Coors Field, which is much better than you might think. Really? Yeah. Very nice. The old Rockies ride. Well, the team stinks. The team uh, is terrible. <laughs> just god-awful, man. Later in the show, we're going to talk about wealth and vehicle ownership. It's a story that I have to deconstruct, and I'll do that in my classic me style. That's coming up. No guest today. We will have a guest next week. I would love to be able to pronounce his name, but I can't. Um, I'll, I'll give it a shot right now. Baruch? Baruch? B-A-R-U-C-H. How would you say that? Baruch? Yeah. Fiegenbaum. Nailed it. He's from the Reason Foundation. He's going to... Talk to us about their annual highway report. So we'll get the uh, details about that because there are some sorry states and some sorry roads in those sorry states. I assume Colorado is one of them. Oh, most definitely. Okay. So many people have been losing their AirPods, you know, those uh, things you stick in your ear. They've been losing them there in the New York City subway in recent months that the MTA is considering initiating a public service announcement urging commuters to refrain from taking their AirPods on or off while entering or exiting the subway trains. They are finding many of these AirPods not just on the trains or on the platform, but on the tracks and the area down there where the train has already passed. And the people want these things back because they're pretty darn expensive. So the MTA hopes the PSA would alleviate the delays caused by the numerous AirPods that fall between the cracks each day. It's my favorite sentence of the day. Very nice. Some are suggesting that this summer has been the worst summer of them because, one, they're very popular, these, these AirPod things. And possibly because it's been so warm and muggy there in New York City that it's making people's ears and hands sweaty, and they're just sliding out of people's ears or losing their grip as they're trying to readjust them. A likely story. Now, transit workers, they if they're called, they will use then a pole that has one of those little grabbers on the end of it. You'll see old people use these to get stuff on the top of their shelves. But they have a pole that has uh, extends about eight feet, and has two little rubber uh, cups, I guess, there at the end, you know, little grabbers. And they use those 
to grab small objects that fall near or around the tracks. Yeah. That seems like a lot of effort to go to for a couple of AirPods. Other people are now trying to recover their AirPods with tape on a broom handle or some other kind of long stick that they can find and then try to get their AirPods back. On a recent Thursday, workers received 18 requests to fetch lost items. Six were for AirPods. I don't know what the others were for. Apple charges $69 for a replacement AirPod, so it'd be about $138 a pair. Ugh. That's crazy. Ugh. That's a lot of money. Replacement charging cases are also available for 60 bucks, while the wireless AirPod charging case is sold for $79. Mm. I was at a promotional event recently where I was given a knockoff version of these AirPods. I've only tried them out once, my first time ever putting them in my ear, and I liked it. It was it was pretty nice. Uh, it was pretty nice. It was it was neat. I liked it. Um, I have been interested in in these wireless or, I, I guess, Bluetooth connected headphones of some sort, uh, and this is my first forte into those. I've never picked up any in the in, like especially the real ones because they're so gosh darn expensive right there's no point in even flirting with it because you know it's out of your league way out yes like my wife way out of my league but should i put the uh drum shot absolutely the, the rim shot in not there? a joke but no. yes you should put the rim <laughs> shot in there anyway maybe that or i should just hang out in the subway and wait for uh and just look around and and see if somebody has lost their eye thing and then i can i can have a new set that's, I mean, apparently, from the number of people who have lost them and then called the MTA to get them back. Again, seems like a lot of effort. Well, that's for a lot of AirPods. money. Uh, I mean, are they charging you for the time that they no. are spending to go grab them? Because I no, think they should. But it, maybe they should. But if you if you have $150 in your ears, you would want it back. If you have $150 in your ears, be more responsible and don't drop them on the train tracks. One. Two, let's talk about these crazy people putting tape at the end of broom handles to try to get it back. By the way, does Finders Keepers still work in the adult life? Does it? Rarely. We've been seeing uh, an increase in the use of self-driving vehicles over the past few years. Well, the self-driving freight truck startup called Too Simple has been carrying mail across the state of Arizona for several weeks using self-driving trucks. Now, these autonomous trucks have been hauling loads for UPS on a 115-mile route between Phoenix and Tucson. Pretty wide open. No kidding. Not a whole lot going on there between <laughs> Phoenix and Tucson. UPS made a minority investment in Too Simple around the same time as the UPS and Too Simple program began. How convenient. Now, the USPS, the United States Postal Service, and Too Simple also publicized a two-week pilot program to deliver mail between Phoenix and Dallas. That's a 1,000-mile trip using autonomous trucks. You can see where we're going here. Too Simple claims it can cut the average cost of shipping from a tractor trailer by 30%. Obviously, that's going to be for labor costs with a driver, right? Right, right. Because you're still having to pay for fuel and maintenance and all the other stuff. But they can probably program the truck to drive autonomously at certain times of day. You can drive it longer than you would with a driver in there because you don't have to worry about uh, overtime rules. Uh, and you're going to get probably calculated the best uh, highway speeds to drive in, um, 
best fuel economy, all those sort of things, because it's a computer doing doing the work. Mm-hmm. Simple uh, uses its own autonomous technology in those trucks, as well as putting all kinds of cameras. They have about nine cameras in there and some LiDAR sensors in the trucks, so they can then drive by themselves. And at this point, the two simple trucks carrying packages for UPS still right now have a engineer and a safety driver riding on board. So this is just the first step in going fully autonomous. Right, right. Because the company thinks they can get to level four autonomy, where a vehicle is basically fully autonomous and able to reach a particular location by itself, and they think they can do that fairly soon. Well, it sounds like they might be there now, right? It's not Just like, about. It's not like the truck can't get there. It's a matter of making sure that the guardrails and the bumpers are still there so that it's not going out of control all willy-nilly across the southwest desert, right? Yeah. So that is the another step where we're going to start to see, I think, trucks and freight being moved autonomously before we're going to see you and I driving autonomously in an Uber or in our own car or wherever, maybe in one of those silly little uh, people shuttle movers that you see out near the airport or in Las Vegas or whatever, where they're going to move you around from casino to casino. Well, and like you know, one of the things we talked about is the steps from having a truck driver in the car who's controlling everything to full-on autonomy. And I think that one of the things you're going to see is that sort of half-step in the middle where you don't have a driver, but you have a safety driver in all the vehicles, right? Right. And there, we have 10, 15 years where becoming a safety driver is the new hot job because you can sit on your phone the whole time, and you're basically just sitting in a tra- cab of a truck for eight hours at a time. Right. And those drivers, safety drivers, would be paid, I'm sure, a lot less than an owner-operator or with uh, any uh, driver that is, uh, you know, running, dr- driving for any kind of company. Because if you're paying a over-the-road guy 50-whatever cents a mile, or you're, let's say they're making anywhere between sixty-five dollars and $100,000, you're not going to be paying a safety driver for that kind of money. Well, maybe you will. Right? I doubt I- it. I doubt you're going to pay a safety driver $75,000 when you could pay him $35,000, and you can get three of them for the price of one. I, well, so maybe not that dramatic of a step, but I do think it's going to be a wage that's pretty comparable with what you're seeing no right way. now. Just out no of necessity. Way. I mean, Why? one, you're going to have to pay that much to get somebody to do the job. No, you're not. Well, you are. And two, I think you're going to see unions and the government, the freaking government again, step in and say, look, you can't just make all these truck drivers take a pay cut in half. Well, no, they're not going to be truck drivers. They're going to be truck watchers. They're going to be just riding around in a truck, and that skill is not the same kind of skill you need to drive a truck safely. As a millennial, I feel like I can say this confidently to you, a member of a different generation. Your generation is going to make sure that those truck drivers who drove a truck for 30 years and made 60, 65 to 75 grand a year are still making that when they are simply safety drivers. Guaranteed. Those guys will be retired, and they will leave. It'll be the people that are in their 20s and 30s that will be safety drivers. And I could see this just being a young generation kind of kind of job, a a intro job, because you're 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 not going to have people that are going to want to be safety drivers in their forties and fifties. Hopefully not. Or maybe you're going to have some older drivers who are already retired, they who then have this experience, and they can be a safety driver for a little while until we get more and more of these trucks, and we need more and more people, which will attract younger uh, wage earners, and and off we go. That's kind of the way the economy works. I'm but dead. you're right about the unions. Listen, man, safety driving, it's the future. It's <laughs> the future. Now, we talk all the time about the dangers that bike riders face from cars. Unfortunately, 
even this morning, I was reporting on a fatal crash. It was a hit-and-run crash where a bicyclist was found on a roadway over in Aurora uh, on the east side of Denver. And they called the police, and they were doing this investigation, and it was a bike rider who was killed in a crash, and the, and the driver who hit that bicyclist was gone. Just mm. and nobody, they, they, I guess they don't have a, a lead just yet. At least they're not telling us what their leads are. But obviously it is a danger that the bike riders are facing all the time. Now, I was reading a story out of New York that featured the dangers of bike riders that they are posing to people walking around New York. Mm. So this is biker on pedestrian crime and danger. Not cars versus bikes, but bikes versus people. Because people are in the lower end of the pole on uh, uh, when you go cars, bikes, people. That's right? true. That is true. So Mayor de Blasio has aggressively pushed bike-friendly agenda there in New York City. We've seen that. But all those bike riders are not good for avoiding people around the city who are walking because it's easy to walk around New York City. You jump on the subway and you pop up somewhere and you just – most people are either walking around New York because it's just so expensive to – to live there, to drive there now, to uh, get around in a taxi or an Uber or whatever. Well, expensive, time-consuming. I mean, you yes. don't want to drive around that city. So since tw- 2011, bicyclists have injured more than 2,200 people, including at least seven who have died. And injuries are up 12% this year, rising to 127, and that's just through the first half of the year. And it was 113 at the same time last year. So a lot more this year than last year. Two pedestrians already have been killed so far this year in New York City. Most of the injuries were there in Manhattan, where the majority of people are, and the majority of the bike versus person conflicts are going to take place. Now, one of the problems is that these bike lanes have been put in places without much thought. One was recently installed and uh, on a walkway that was basically gobbled up, and vehicles used to use that lane. Uh, but now they made it into a bike lane. It was actually a lane that was used by ambulances to get to the Bellevue Hospital. So why do we need ambulances getting to a hospital when we can make it into a bike lane? Correct. Tens of thousands of commuters headed to and from the Port Authority bus terminal on 42nd every day. And that overflow, it just all on those narrow sidewalks. And they have bikes and they have uh, people all mingling in because of these new bike lanes where they have a lot of people in these areas where there's uh, commuter trains and bicyclists and people. And it's a pretty toxic mix because people are getting hurt and get people getting hit. We see the same thing with, with scooter riders hitting people on sidewalks as well. Yeah, but, I mean, these things are such a lightning-in-a-bottle type event. You know what I mean? Like, if two pedestrians died this year. That is such a small amount of pedestrians com- compared to the amount of people who are walking in the city of New York. One. Two, w- the individual circumstances of each of those crashes cannot be taken together to form this hypothesis that bicycle riders pose a de- danger to pedestrians or vice versa. There's just no way. Did the pedestrian have their head down? Did the bicyclist have his head down with somebody looking at their phone? You know what I mean? Like, we're just talking about mitigating circumstances. We could say the same thing about people versus cars. I, or bikes versus people or scooters versus cars. and Correct. And, and, and I think there's a certain amount of it where it's just like, look, this is baked into the bread, man. If you're going to have bikes and people in the same place, sometimes those two things are going to collide. If you're going to have cars and people in the same place, sometimes those two things are going to collide. And now they're also saying that these bicycles, these uh, electric bikes that a lot of folks are now using, they're also becoming a problem because they're not as 
quite as fast as a motorcycle, obviously, or a moped, but they are faster than uh, the scooters and bicyclists in general, obviously a lot faster than a person. And so these e-bikes are becoming a problem now as well. Yes, and the there problem with those is that they are making they are encouraging bicycle riders who are not very good to go faster. Yes. It is not so much how fast they are going, it is the quality of the person who is on the fast bicycle. And it's and it's also not a matter of enforcement here because New York City, the police department, they've issued nearly 20,000 moving violations to cyclists just in the first half of this year. Wow. That's up 10% from last year. Wow. So they are out there trying to make it safer. They are trying to at least get it somewhat under control. I have not seen that same enforcement here in Metro Denver. I that, have not heard about it in other cities. Listen, that's far more enforcement than I think I've heard about in any other city. So it says a lot about what, how New York is trying to incorporate bicycles into the rest of traffic. Also speaking about New York, I received an email last week, and it goes like this. Hi, Jason. I'm a journalist writing a timely news piece for Mike.com about how the influx of wealth in New York City and popular cities like it mean way more cars are on the road, causing gnarly traffic. At this point in the email, she includes a link to a story from, can you guess? New York City Streets Blog! Yay! That's her source! Yeah! Yeah! So I'll get to that part of the story in just a little bit. Now, this email continues. I know the population of Denver has really grown in recent years. I'm wondering if you've noticed a similar population wealth traffic correlation. Is it due to ride-shared services? How does this manifest in cities that don't have as good public transportation as New York City, even though our infrastructure is totally crumbling? If you have a few moments this morning, I'd love to get your thoughts, a statement from you for the article. I'm also happy to hop on a quick phone call if that's easier. Thanks in advance. Kara Weisenstein. Well, I called Kara back, and I got her voicemail. And then shortly after, I received an email from her saying, thanks anyway, but she already interviewed a traffic person from Austin, Texas. (laughs) Austin, Texas, Hank traffic anchor person didn't seem that qualified but okay anyway before i called her back i of course had to do my due diligence and i did some research so first i checked the link to that streets blog article knowing full well what i was going to get and what kind of a slant it was going to be as we talk about here on the show streets blog is an advocate journalism really i think that's the best way to describe them advocacy journalism and and for for every form of transportation except for a vehicle. Yes, almost comically pro cycle, pro pedestrian, anti vehicle. Yes, mainly you will see them advocate for every pedestrian is right, every bicycle is right, every roadway is designed wrong, every vehicle is designed wrong. We just shouldn't have roads for cars, trucks, motorcycles. We should only have them for scooters and walking and and uh, riding your bike. And perhaps a single vehicle lane in both directions. You'll see a perfect example of that in one paragraph at the end of this. All right, here we go. Air quotes, story. Now, this article is titled, More Rich People Means More Traffic Problems for New York City. And it was written by Dave Collin, or Colin. 
What? Because C O L O N, would that be Colin or Colin? Probably Cologne. Cologne? Yeah. All right, we'll just go with Dave. <laughs> I don't want to ruin his last name. Buried in the city's latest mobility report was a tiny grenade in our urban class warfare. Car registrations are up from 1.76 million cars in 2010 to 1.92 million in 2017, an increase in 9% during a period when the city's population grew only by 3.2%. Population growth can't account for all of the increase in cars, and it may not even explain any of it. The Department of Transportation report notes that car ownership went up only 0.1% in the city between 1990 and 2000, even as the population increased by 9.3% over the same period. So what's behind the comparatively massive increase in car ownership today? Massive car increase. I mean, seriously. It would be easy to blame the MTA. For those who don't know, we talked about the MTA earlier. It's the Metro Transit Authority there in New York City. All right, back to the article. Indeed, subway and bus service have deteriorated over the last few years, but car registrations were rising even before the summer of hell and the current crisis. Summer of hell is all about uh, the trains and the stations that are getting an upgrade there in New York City, mm-hmm. and it's causing uh, more delays for the folks who use those commuters, uh, commuter trains. A major factor is wealth. The influx of wealthier residents into the city which has been blamed for the hyper-gentrification, the construction of towers that now cast the bottom of Central Park into permanent shadows, and even the closing of your favorite dive bar is also causing the rise in car ownership. The city's median income is up 11% since 2010, rising from $54,787 to $60,879 in 2017. And as the city population gets wealthier, more people tend to buy cars, said spokesperson for the Regional Plan Association. By the way, the Regional Plan Association says on their website that they improve the New York metropolitan region's economic health, environmental sustainability, and quality of life through research, planning, and advocacy. Hmm, I wonder how. Streets Blogs continues. A contributing factor to the rise in car ownership is also where the increasing wealth can be found, mostly in the outer boroughs, where populations are rising and transit is less attractive. The median income in the Bronx has risen from 34624 in 2010 to 36953 in 2017, nearly 7%. And it's up in Brooklyn, too, from 43567 to 57782 a whopping 32%. All right, let's stop here. So Dave of Streets Blog New York is saying that $37,000 as an annual income is rich. Seriously? Rich? I, I would hope that incomes have, have risen over the last 10 years. Well, I mean, that's what's... Jason, everything you just read is garbage. I mean, that's a garbage article. Yes. The stati- all of the statistics in there put together don't make sense and don't add up to anything except for the thesis that he's trying to present, except that the thesis is bad and he's only presenting like maybe 15% of the story. Exactly. We're not even talking about inflation when we're talking about wage growth. 
you can't talk about in wage growth without talking about inflation. Yeah, he's not talking about the increase in housing costs and food costs and insurance and health care costs and life in, co- life in general costs. Well, and he's yet to tie anything back. I mean, none of these statistics say anything about rich people buying more cars or contributing no. to increased car ownership. Zero percent of what has been said has anything to do with that. Does he really think that these people have the same costs in 2010 as they do in 2017? I mean, look at how everything has gone up in price. Everything. Uh, it's just awful. That these residents now who, who are, are earning an extra $3,000 a year in the Bronx, or in the case of Brooklyn, are earning almost $58,000, like that's the magic number that you get that you're going to go out and run out and buy a car now because now you're suddenly making $58,000 a year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are just so many things that people would spend that money on other than buying a car and to assume that just because you start making a little bit more money that the first thing you do with that extra money is buy a car is absurd. Correct. Just absurd. All right, back to the article. With the majority of growth concentrated in the outer boroughs, it's no surprise that car ownership is up. The calculus of transit versus car ownership shifts dramatically the farther you get from the Manhattan core, said Nick Sifuentes of the Tri-State Transportation Campaign, of which has long documented the connection between rising wealth and car ownership. Have they? Well, I mean, listen, we're saying that rising wealth leads to car ownership, but then we're saying, one, transit is a less attractive option in the places where people are buying cars. I mean, what do you want people to do, man? Like, yeah, I would love to take transit so it adds another 30 minutes to my already lengthy commute. That's what they – look, they don't care about what, how long it takes you to get there. They just want you to take a bus, a train, your feet, or a bike, period. Mm-hmm. They don't care how long it takes, where you live, what obstacles you have to do, how old you are, right. how disabled you are, any mm-hmm. of that stuff. You are not allowed to get in your own personal vehicle, period. Correct. But that is a factor also, what you were just talking about is a factor of travel time, transit time, distance to the city, than earning more money. It's about convenience. Right? Yep. Has nothing to do with money. So the author is using this information to try to support a theory that if you earn more, you're going to buy a car, which obviously isn't necessarily the case. You're going to do what's most convenient for you, no matter how much money you, you, you earn. Right? Yep. This is coming up. My most favorite paragraph of the entire article. Are you ready for this one? No. Whatever the cause, more cars is a bad thing for New York for multiple reasons. The carnage of the automobile scares off potential cyclists, but it also congests our streets and pollutes our air. Oh, and it undermines transit. Yay! (laughs) Sums it up perfectly. Right there. That's it. That's them in a nutshell. Can you read the carnage line again? I certainly can. The carnage of the automobile scares off potential cyclists, but it also congests our streets and pollutes our air. That is poetry. That is poetry. As DOT Commissioner Polly Trottenberg noted in her letter introducing the mobility report, The increase in car registrations, drop in weekday uh, subway ridership, and increase in the use of four higher vehicles were all trends that are, quote, unsustainable, unquote. It's all about convenience. Again, this was the article in Streets Blog, New York. 
exactly what the DOT commissioner was saying. People are going to take, like water, the path of least resistance. Yes. If you give them an option where they could use ride chair cheaper than a taxi, they're going to do it. That's why the taxi drivers are reeling. And that's why New York City is now limiting the number of ride chair drivers that can be in the city working at any time. And also how many can be idling without their passengers uh, you know, in a ride at any time. That's, that is an insane step forward, by the way. I mean, the technology that they're going to have to use to cut off people from the app, both drivers and riders. Yes. And then to, to bring them back into the app when they need them. It's just a lot of advancement that you never thought would happen five years ago. And it's not just New York City that's doing this. It's going to be San Francisco and Los Angeles and these other big cities. Well, and they're going to set the blueprint for everybody else. Yes. Everybody is going to be doing that. So that's one thing. If you get people onto a train where, honestly, uh, it is and can be. I, I, I subscribe to a, on my Instagram page, I see, what's it called? Um, pass, not passenger shaming, that's the other one for the airplane stuff. But it's something about uh, uh, transit riding. or so, Anyway, I'm always seeing videos and pictures of people doing unhuman things and crazy things and ridiculous things on the subways. Yes. And why should anybody be subject to that? Mm-hmm. Now, if everybody, like, if they were in Tokyo, where it seems like it's more orderly, and folks are just standing there going to work and being uh, normal, that that's one thing. Obviously, their trains are super overcrowded. I just posted a video on, on my uh, Facebook page about the New York or the uh, Tokyo subway system and how overcrowded it is. That that that's one that's one that's not the United States people. No. That is not. No. The United States is full of Americans. And and, and well, we can be gross and and annoying and disturbing. Yes. 100%. And usually all three at the same time. I mean, I think what you're alluding to is the fact that Tokyo's transit riders, you got maybe like, what, 0% knuckleheads, 5% right. knuckleheads. And here in America, it feels like it's closer to 10, 15%. And I can say that as somebody who's ridden public transit a lot in this particular city, you see a lot of them, man. And you just don't want to be around that stuff. No, you don't. And, that, and it's sad because the vast majority of people who use that form of, tra- of transportation are just commuting. They are just going from their home to their job and back to their home, and that's it. That's and they just want to be left alone. Correct. And for the most part, they are, right? But that, that doesn't change the fact that like, you only have to have somebody walk up to you once and try to strike up a conversation as a way of trying to ask you for money in order to really not want to use that form of transportation anymore. Or if you're on the train and you're listening to somebody's conversation because they're being overly loud on the phone, or they, they, they're being overly annoying or smell, or, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of offensive things that people do in public situations. Yes, and we should go 360 on whether or not you should be allowed to use your phone on a train or not. Okay, well, not here, but maybe you should do that in the evening show. I am pro-phone, baby. <laughs> no, and really, going back to the article, to call somebody making an average of $60,000 rich? In New York City? That's absurd. That's poor in New York City mm-hmm. or any of the five boroughs. I mean, the guy, you don't want to criticize the writer too much, but certainly his writing appears to be out of touch. You're not kidding. And I wonder how much that person is making. And if they were going to be making another five or ten thousand dollars, obviously he is not going to go out and buy a car because he doesn't believe in it, right? The carnage of the automobile. Maybe if you're in the poorest county of rural Mississippi or West Virginia, then making sixty thousand dollars, you are you are super rich. I mean, you're living in the mansion, right? Correct. You're not living in the mine. 
you're up you're up in the penthouse th- there but i mean honestly my home value has increased a bunch in the past 6 years that doesn't mean i'm rich it means that my property taxes actually have increased way faster than my income my food costs and my insurance costs have all increased as well because everybody else's property taxes are going up and everybody else's costs are going up for the money that i was making just 5 years ago compared to now has not kept up with the cost of everything else. Correct. So for him to say that you've made 7% more between for the last seven years, 1% a year, it's not keeping up with life in general. No. It's just not. It doesn't mean that you're rich and you now have all the money in the world to go buy a car. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, all that stuff just sucks money away from vehicle ownership. And in my case, instead of leasing another new car, we ditched the lease and we now bought a new used car. If I if I had more money, I would have leased another car, but yep. I just don't have the money. I just and I own not that I have to live with a car. I mean, I, I can't get around without the car. Well, yes. Uh, oh, oh no, not the car. Yes, <laughs> I am not a transit guy. Certainly, well, not in your situation either. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And to your point, it all comes back to convenience. I mean, that's the yes. magic word in this whole conversation. If it was convenient for you to take transit, I'm sure you would do it. And for Streets Blog to make the leap between increased income or increased wages directly to increased vehicle ownership, it's overstepping. Maybe some of the vehicles were new cabs. Maybe they were new delivery vehicles. Uh, Maybe they were new police cars. Maybe some of the new vehicles were people who worked their way out of poverty or a low-wage job into a better job in a better situation, and then they were able to buy a car. I applaud those people. I doubt the streets blog people would applaud those people they would probably say if you earn more money you should then buy a a better bus pass i mean the story (laughs) is mostly unsubstantiated totally unproven uncorroborated and really not real journalistic quality in my opinion at all so to call and that's the thing about these quote-unquote journalists they're not really journalists in the true sense of the journalistic world. They are just writing what they think, and they're using the journalistic moniker as a way to put opinion out there without calling it opinion and calling it a news story. Mm-hmm. Flat out. I mean, it was a salad of statistics, man. A salad of statistics that made absolutely no sense when you actually were looking at them as a cohesive unit. Right. It is true, though, that when people make more money and they move away and outside of a city core, that they will typically go buy a car because it will be a necessity. Mm-hmm. They need it to get around. But that's not inherently bad. Uh, they think it's the end of the world, but it really isn't. Most people, and if, and if you could hypnotize or, or give someone from Streets Blog some truth serum, I think they would actually admit that they would rather drive a car than ride a bus. If they were actually being totally honest with you. Would they ever be totally honest with you in this situation? No, but you would have to get them totally drugged up to get them get the truth out of them. You know what's funny? I don't I don't know that that's true. Really? Because I find myself thinking often if I could, if it was feasible for me to take transit everywhere, I would probably consider that as an option. But it's just not feasible. Like you cannot show me a transit pattern that gets you everywhere you need to go, at least not in this city. 
It may be workable in New York City, but it certainly doesn't sound like it, given the number of people who have moved out of the urban core and decided they need vehicles now. And that's really the bottom line with this stuff. Bus, own, bus ridership, train ridership works if everything is within a mile of you, if you live in an urban core, and if you live somewhere further out, you're going to need a car. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And you're right. It does work in a densely packed city like New York. But it doesn't work for the rest of America for the no. most part. It just doesn't. I, I am glad there are options for people that need those options. That's fine. But just don't force your option on me. That's where I think it comes down to. Yep. I'm not forcing my car on you, so don't force your bus on me. You are forcing your carnage on oh, everybody yeah. every day that you get behind the wheel. Because then you're taking my option really to drive away, drive, drive around in a car just because you don't like it. Or you think that they're wrecking the planet. I mean, you can ride the bus. I'll drive my car. And that's okay. And we both sit in traffic together. Right? Yes. That, that's fine. You can get on the train and I'll pay to park. That's my choice, my option, what I want to pay, spend my money on. If I want to spend money on a, a hundred, uh, I'm not, on a hundred dollar a month parking fee, then, then that's my choice. If I want to spend $10,000 on vehicle maintenance and tires and gasoline and insurance and all that stuff, that would be my choice. Rather than spend that $10,000 on a couple of cruises a year. But you have options. Right. It's all about options. Life is. It's all about what you want and, and what you want to do with the stuff and the money that you have. Yep. It's all about options. And I'm glad we have options for other people. Just don't force your bus option on me. If, if you don't want to get my car, then I don't have to give you a ride. Right? Now, after reading the article in Mike.com, after this, this woman that, that originally, going back, all the way back, circling around to the, to the quote-unquote journalist who, who <laughs> gave me an email, started this whole mess, she wrote, basically copied the article from Streets Blog with, of course, no, um, she you know, attributed the, the, you know, some of the information to that, but just did it in a, in a link and then had a couple of quotes from the Austin traffic person but I'm, I'm actually glad I, I wasn't interviewed for that story. I don't, I don't think that, air quotes again, reporter would have been open to any of my comments when it came to the original Streets blog article. Well, and frankly, I, Mike, Medium, there's a lot of those websites where you just don't want to trust anything that's published on them. Yeah. Period. You know, and Mike is one of the biggest offenders where, you know, it's, some, it's a website that a lot of people follow because they have catchy headlines yes. and like semi-interesting stories. But the quality of the stuff there is garbage. They, they will literally publish anything and you will realize after a while that what you're reading is complete bull. And, and how is it a, a journalistic story when this, this quote unquote reporter again just took what Streets Blog says as fact, doesn't do any investigation on their own or research on her own, and just basically reprints it and then adds a quote that she got from a traffic person in Austin, Texas, that actually had nothing to do with wealth and income and vehicle ownership. She actually talked about how Austin lacks good public, public transportation and the high number of rideshare vehicles that are in Austin and how they have anecdotally... Increased traffic, but they use that as a as as pure fact. I'm going to call this a "don't hate the player, hate the game" moment because I guarantee you that reporter was paid less for that article than I was paid to write articles for my college newspaper. 
Maybe. You know what I mean? So you can't really get mad at somebody who is. And she's been bounced around. This reporter person from Mike.com is bounced around from place to place. Well, and you assume that she's getting paid for clicks, right? So you're chasing clickbait headlines, and the headline, oh, okay. rich people uh, create buy more cars, is a very interesting headline. May not have any truth behind it, but it will get me to click on it at least. Is that how these people do? Do you know how that all works? I'm, I'm making assumptions just based on what I know of Mike.com, but given that it's a freelance platform and that most of the stuff that gets published is published by people who aren't getting paid for it or are getting paid very little for it or getting paid based on the number of clicks it gets, yeah, that's how it works. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, if you want to get mad at anybody, get mad at Mike. Get mad at Mike for publishing stuff like this. Get mad at them for not having journalistic standards. Get mad at them for not paying journalists. Because th- this isn't a journalist that we're talking about. If she was a journalist, she'd be getting paid for her journalism. Well, she's not a journalist. So the, uh, I think a website like this is just paying people to write articles. Right. And, and she, there's a difference. Yeah. I mean, there's a capital big J journalism that, that I like to at least be under the umbrella of because uh, well, I, even though I kind of studied it in college, I do subscribe to it. And I, I do feel like I'm a true newsman who does take everything at a uh, neutral level. I basically want to get as much information as possible, take that, digest it down to a biteable I don't know, portion, right. and then write about it and then, and, then, and then post it. But you're a professional. you got years of experience. We're both professionals, right? Like We both make a living doing this. And so our standards are much different than that of a platform that, again, is probably not paying somebody who is writing these articles and working as a barista or as a grocery store or something right. on the side to, exactly. to actually support themselves. Exactly. You know? And there are some people that I that, that we've talked to, I think even on this show, that do, that do these freelance articles who actually do good work and are better journalists than this. But yeah, Mike.com, mm-hmm. there you go. But really, honestly, to, to say that somebody's making more money now than they did 10 years ago is rich, it's just absurd. <laughs> right, inflation, people. So anyway, next week, uh, we are going to talk to Baruch... I, 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 I asked for a pronunciation of his name, and I have not received that yet. Maybe I should check my email real quick and see if I've received it, and that way I don't have to keep butchering this thing. Uh, let's see. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. No, nope. nope. that's not it. That's nope. not it. Oh, wait. This is it. Here we go. Uh, the last name is Feigenbaum. 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 B A R. U-C-H. Now, he, he gives me a link to merriamwebster.com. <laughs> Honestly, here it goes. Let's see if this play. Does this play audio? Let's see if this works. Oh, here we go. There you go. See, let me turn the volume up here. This should work. Baruch. I, did, I had it right. Baruch. That was it. Baruch. Baruch. There we go. It's Baruch. See, you shouldn't have overthought it, man. Feigenbaum. So anyway, we're going to have Baruch, and maybe what I should do is uh, put that on better audio, and then I'll play it to introduce him. Respect. Would he, would he like hate that. that? Yes, he would. <laughs> he would yes, that. he would. We'll have a and guest. then he would immediately hang up, and the interview would be over. Right. We'll have a guest next week, and unless we've scared them all away. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> well, anyway, Baruch from the Reason Foundation came out with his uh, 24th annual Highway Report. We'll get a full debrief from him about that if he doesn't hang up on us first uh, and take a look at our roads, our congestion, all things like that. And, you know, we're not going to ask him about his name at all. No, no, we're not. That would be a bad thing. Nope.
So there you go. Anyway, thanks again for being here. Thanks for uh, being a part of the show. If you want to get a hold of us, you can always call 303-832-0217. Somebody give us a call. We're staying, Anyone. Operators. Actually, by. my brother-in-law, what, you were here, right? When I said if you call that number or just call it, you know, but if but if you if you're watching my uh, Facebook live broadcast and you say that you also listen to the podcast, that I'll give you a prize. My brother-in-law, who listens to the show every week, he said, uh, "Where's my prize? I wanted to get on the Facebook live thing." <laughs> so this Friday, I'm doing my Facebook live on the Denver Seven Facebook page, and if you're watching that live as I'm doing my thing, say you listen to the podcast. And you're a big fan of the podcast, and I'll find something in the studio or around the garage or somewhere in the building, and I'll give you something that we have here. Yes. Now, I'm sure that the uh, higher-ups, all the muckety-mucks, uh, the uh, corporate people are going, what is he doing? That, that, that is a fireable offense. We we're going to get him. So you didn't hear that. Uh, but this is what I will do anyway. Neither did corporate because they don't. <laughs> oh, no. Chris listens. He does. Hi, Chris. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's <laughs> thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the show. And until next time, I'm, well, uh, maybe there isn't a next time. I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm journalism crusader Joseph Peters. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.